Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. We are in for a treat today. I'm telling you what, she came in the door. I got a text late last night. I was old pastor. Oh, everybody say old pastor. Old pastor B, not O, but old pastor B was already in the bed. And I got a text. I saw this morning when I woke up and said, hey, I'm flying in from Chicago. I'm going to be at my house in Florida. I'm getting in my car and I'm driving to the hotel in Gainesville. I'll be there by midnight. I'm telling you what, she, 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 she crunk. She crunked. She ready. And this morning we were already here and we were praying for you guys with the leadership team and prayer team this morning. And, and I just, she walked in. I said, hey, Rachel. I said, hey, would you just share something that's on your heart? And she immediately began pouring into the lives of the people, the 25, 30 people that were in this group this morning. She already began pouring in. So I got a word for you this morning before you go on. And I'm going to get out of the way because this is all about what Jesus wants. But I got a word for you today. And it's this. Actually, it was two words after we walked away from the group this morning, Rachel. And it was this. Abundance and overflow. Abundance and overflow. I'm telling you, she's going to pour into you. Um, if you've got anything in you that's, 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 that's clogging up the reservoir in you today, that's, that's taking up space that doesn't need to be there, you need to go ahead and empty it now. I'm telling you, she's getting ready to pour some Jesus joy in your life, and it's going to stir you and change you. I'm telling you, abundance and overflow. Okay? So the doors are, this is straight from heaven. The doors that, that have opened are going to be minimal compared to the doors that he's opening for your ministry, and it's going to be his abundance and his overflow. Because as soon as I say, how, 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 Bradley, is that going to, how am I going to do it? How am I going to have more abundance? I'm giving everything I got. No, it's no longer going to be just, just Rachel. And, and I know you don't operate in Rachel, but I'm telling you, it's going to be his abundance that you're going to tap into, and it's going to be his overflow that comes out of you. So who is Rachel? <laughs> who is Rachel? I'm telling you, you're not ready. You're not ready. We met Rachel back in 2009, 2010. Her beautiful mom and sweet little grandma used to sit right behind us in church. And we'd come off the platform for worship. And I always get that, that hug from your mom. And she'd always kiss me right here on the cheek. And she'd say, that was so powerful. Thank you so much. And then we got to meet Rachel. I never could pronounce her last name. So when we talked about Rachel, we just called her ESPN girl. And everybody knew who we were talking about. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Get ready. Release City Church, would you please put your hands together and welcome with me our friend and soon to be yours, Miss Rachel Joy. Come on, get up on your feet, somebody. All right, all right, all right. Woo! Okay, so first of all, uh, I had to get my tissue. Second of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all over the place. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to say some things that are going to prick your heart this morning. I, uh, I'm going to speak to some, some, some parts of you that maybe feel dead or blasted or barren. And just know that I'm here this morning and I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, here I am, Lord, send me. And that's what I always do. I prepare, I get ready, I, I study, I do all the things, and then I get somewhere and I open my mouth and it goes a completely different direction than where I thought it was going to go. And inevitably, somebody comes up to me afterwards and says, that was for me. That was for me. And I'm like, I, didn't, I wasn't even going to talk about that. I wasn't even going to talk about that. So let me back up and, and tell you all something about your pastor and his wife and, and how I met them. And, um, and he says he saw something on me. Um, I saw something on them. <laughs> they were the music ministers at this church called King's Pasture. And... Uh, let me remind you of this. Don't you ever discount your prayers. I am here and living today because my mama and grandmother's prayers. When I came to King's Pasture, I was fresh out of addiction. And my mama had been praying for me and my grandma had been praying for me. I found a, a picture the other day, Pastor Bradley, where I got baptized there by Pastor Gino, my little arms were about this big around. And I know I'm alive and I'm here today because my mama 
and my grandmother, not only in their homes, not only in their spirits, were at that altar every Sunday on their knees praying for me. And my mama just kept inviting me to church, inviting me to church, inviting me to church, inviting me to church. So if you feel weary this morning for praying for somebody, if you feel weary for praying for something that you feel like hasn't come to pass, I am telling you this morning to get on your knees once again and keep praying that the God of the universe hears you. He hears you. He knows. He hears your prayers, right? And, and it might not be a no, it might be just a not right now. But your prayers will not return void. His word will not return void. And so I just have to, I had to start by saying that. And, and uh, Pastor Amy mentions my mom this morning. And I told her, I said, you know, um, I'm so grateful you mentioned my mom. Anybody in here lost somebody? Anybody in here lost somebody? Um, anybody in here still grieving? Okay, I will grieve forever, my mama. I lost her in 2019. I'll grieve forever, my grandma. Um, but I said in my book, and we'll talk about that later, but I said in my book, we grievers want people, want other people to mention the person that we lost. Please don't stop talking about that person because you're worried that it will hurt us. You're worried that we're fragile. You're worried that it will it will break us. We need you to, to keep talking about them. Talk about sweet Georgia. Talk about her, her Zumba. Talk about her prayers that brought me here. Talk about your people because that's how we keep their memory alive. So I just want to remind you, I, my precious husband is back home watching and we've gone through this journey of grief together. I lost my mom. I lost my dad. And bless his soul, he had never really lost, I mean, you know, somebody super close. He lost his grandfather, I would say that. That was his best friend. But um, we went through this journey of grief together. And I had to teach him how to, how to grieve with me. And I said, when I cry, just hug me. Just hold my hand. Just be there. I don't need you to do anything. Just be there. And bless my precious husband's soul. He just lost his father not even three weeks ago. And so I was able to do the same thing and, and hopefully and will continue to do the same thing that he's done for me. So I, I just needed to say that this morning for anybody who's got a heavy spirit. Um, don't stop talking about them. Don't stop, don't stop talking about their mean shepherd's pie and their apple pie and the way they laughed and the way they smelled and all the things that they did and the ways that they touched your life. Because that was, Pastor Amy didn't know, but that was a gift this morning. Mentioning my Georgia, mentioning my Gigi this morning, was letting me know that, uh, that she was here. And, and here's my vision on heaven, y'all. This is Rachel's unabridged version of, of, of heaven, okay? Because I'm one of those people, bless my own heart, that's lost a lot of people, okay? I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional griever, you know? I've done been through it and then went back to it, you know? Um, I, I don't think that my mom, I don't think that your loved one is ever present. I don't think that they're with you all the time because honestly, I believe that they're too busy in heaven. I believe that they're circling the, the throne right now and they're saying, holy, holy, holy that they are touching the hem of his garment, that they are getting to look at his face, that they are just, I mean, on there in awe, you know, anything beyond anything we could ever think or imagine. But I do believe, and again, my own unabridged version, I do believe that there are days where maybe they can go to like the rental center and be like, God, can I take out a little rental car today and go see, you know, my daughter? Can I go visit her today in that church and just let her know that I'm there? I do think there are those moments, and she comes out, beep, beep, hey, you know, and you feel them like a rushing wind, you know, on your face. You feel that hug. You smell them. You, somebody brings them up. I think that's what happens. I think they come to visit, and then I think they go back, and they return their rental car, and they're right back in heaven. That's what I think happens. You know, I know, you know, maybe you, and you can borrow that too, if you want to, you know, just put your name on, put your stamp on it. That's what I think happens because again, I think that heaven is so lovely and is beyond anything we could ever think or imagine. And this morning when we were praying, I, uh, I told your amazing team here that serves you. I told him, I said, um, don't you ever get weary of doing good because what we all want to hear is well done, my good and faithful servant. At the end of this 
life at the end of this day, as I drive home this afternoon after being on the road for a week, um, it's not about me. And if it is, gets too much about me, the Lord, will, he, he, he gets me. He, he will humble me. He'll bring me to my knees, right? Less of Rachel, more of Jesus. Um, but I, I tell you, I've, I got so much to, whoo, I got so much to share and I'm going to do it in a short amount of time this morning. But I, I wanted to start with this verse and I got my Bible here, but I also put it right here on my phone. I want to start off cause y'all got your Bibles out and this is a, obviously a, uh, a Bible loving church. I want to start with this Jeremiah. 29, 11, but I want to go one step further, okay? I'm going to read 11, and then we're going to go to 12, okay? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So most people stop at that verse. Who's got that somewhere in their house? You know, painted on a sign. You got it on a, you got it somewhere, right? That verse is great, but if we keep going, 12 says, then you will call on me and come to pray and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So listen, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Most of us, we take that one verse and we're like, oh, you know, I've got, I got God's goodness and I know he's got plans for me and he declares it and they're going to prosper me and they're not going to harm me. And then and, and plans to give you a hope and a future. And he does have all of that. But there after that is a commandment. There after that is a, it's not a catch. There after that is a, I need you to do this. I need, he needs us to call on him. He needs us to believe in him. He needs us to say, that is my source. That is my everything. And, and I, I, I heard this sermon years and years ago that talked about this and says, gosh, this 111 is, you know, 2911 is so pretty. It's so lovely. It's so wonderful. But there is a requirement of each one of us beyond 11 that says we need to call on him. We need to believe in him. We need to depend on him. And I'm just going to read it one more time just because I love it. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you. Y'all, I think some of us in our life, um, and I said this to somebody this week, I think we look at, uh, at God as the jackpot in the sky. <laughs> We're like, okay, you got plans to prosper me and not harm me, plans for a hope and a future. There's a requirement of us, church. There's a requirement of us to lay down worldly things. There's a requirement of us to seek him with all of our heart. There's a requirement of us all the time to rededicate ourselves. When I came to King's Pasture where I first met your pastors, I had rededicated my life. I'd rededicated my life. I'd always known Christ, but I was, I was broken. I write in the book, I talk about it. I had known Christ. I, had, I was raised in a, in a, my mama was a Christian, man. The greatest thing my mama ever did, and she went to heaven in 2019 after a 10-month cancer battle. But the greatest thing my mama ever did was instead of hiding from God, she taught me to chase God with a fervor that scares hell. And what the enemy wants us to do, what the enemy wants us to do is we've sinned, we've messed up, we've done something wrong, we've disappointed God, and the enemy wants us to hide. He wants us to, to run from God, to keep quiet, to stay away, to not go to church, to not go to your small group, to not get in your Bible. And I came here this morning to tell you, run for the hem of his garment with a fervor that will, will scare hell. Y'all, we will go to a football game. I used to be a sportscaster, and we will get hype, and we will get crunk at a football game. But sometimes we're, we come to church, and we're like, mm -hmm. 
And, and, and I'm telling you, we're in the days where you need to start telling your neighbors, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, come to church with me. Come to a small group with me. Let me tell you about my church. Let me tell you about my place. Let me tell you about this warm and welcoming place. I walked in the door, y'all. I walked in the door, and I, I was greeted by like 20 people. You want coffee? You want a donut? You want a prayer? I'll tell you, man, I'm staying here. I am staying here. We're at a time where we got to do this, y'all. We, we have got to, we got we to reflect God. We got to get crunk about God. And so I watched my mama screw up. I, I, you know, we all screw up. We're human. But she'd get up, and we went to church, and I saw a, a meme recently that said it. said, bring your kids to church. Bring them. I, I, I go to a church called Journey in Yuli, and the sweetest thing I get to see sometimes is a little kid raising their hands like their mama or their daddy. They're watching it. Bring them. Bring them, right? And so I grew up. I grew up in, in, in church. I loved the Lord. I remember when I was 14, I was at church camp, and I don't know why I was, you know, doing this, but I was like, I ain't going, God. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit. I was like, I was white-knuckling the pew. I was like, I'm not going down during the altar call. I'm not. And it was like one finger, two finger, three finger. You know, it supernaturally came up off that pew, and I was transported down, and I gave my little heart to Christ. And so I knew Christ. I knew Christ even, you know, through my teens and through my 20s. And, and uh, while I was battling, but here's the thing, I was battling these holes the size of Texas. And I was listening to another sermon, and i got to share this with you. Write this down. A pit can't stop the promise. A pit can't stop the promise. They hadn't seen me in all these years, but they've watched me come up out of that pit, and God continue to elevate. Now, what they haven't seen and what, what many people, well, I, I try to show it. I try to be a real person on social media. I'm not the person that has, uses the filters and has to put on makeup, and I, I, I show you my real junk. Good, bad, happy, sad, because I think social media sometimes, we're comparing ourselves to this idea of somebody else's marriage, this idea of somebody else's job, this idea of somebody else's perfect relationship, and then all of a sudden we're looking at our husband or wife or our boyfriend or girlfriend going, ooh, you could be better, you could do this better, you could do that better. That's somebody else's vision and what they're showing you, their curated view of their life. Y'all, we need to get real. Let's start getting real. I had a man one time tell me, he said, I'd met him for lunch, he and his wife, and uh, their uh, NFL football player's mom, and we were talking about it, and he said, you don't know me, but I prayed for you when you were face down in your prayer closet when you lost your mama. And the only way he knew that, the only way he saw it is because I showed it. I shared it. I didn't care. I, I needed prayer, y'all. You get to a desperate place sometimes, you get to a desperate place, you don't care. You don't care who likes you. You don't care who, who lifts you up. You don't care about what worldly things are. You care ultimately about making Jesus proud. And that is where I'm at in my life. If you don't like me, if, you, if, if, if I'm not your cup of tea, that's okay. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm going to live to make Christ proud. That's it. I'm going to live... Ultimately, I'm going to honor my family. I'm going to honor my husband. I'm going to honor my children. I'm going to honor those. But at the end of the day, I live to make him proud. And let me tell you something. Worldly applause is empty. World, you know, I was just with a, a, a number of really, really high-profile athletes out in California that are going to be tomorrow's NFL stars. And I told them, I said, listen, I've worked with athletes all over the country for the past seven years. And some of them tell me another house, another dog, another chain, another woman, and I'm still empty. The things of this world will not, they will not sustain and they will not fill you up. So here I am, I'm 14 and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm on the outside, I'm bubbly and I'm Rachel and I'm all these things. On the inside, the enemy had begun to lay traps for me. And I want to get real with you this morning and ask you, and this is some, some, I call it soul homework with what I do. Go home. I want you to talk about this with your small groups, with your husbands, with your wives, with your families, with your kids. What traps maybe, what traps, not maybe, what traps do the enemy lay for me at an early age that I'm still falling into? 
Or maybe you've overcome them and you need to share them with somebody. So I was adopted at 18 months old. Um, my parents told me, but I didn't really care. I went back to watching the Smurfs, you know. They told me when I was six, but I didn't remember. And so I kind of refound out at 11, the little carpet got pulled out from my soul. And um, the enemy at that point in time put in my head, you're ready for this? It's in the book too. Bastard, unwanted, unloved. And I didn't tell anybody that he had put those words in my soul. But they began, they blew open a hole in my soul the size of Texas, and I began to try to fill it with things of this world. I began to try to fill it with things and people, and, and I began to just fight this, this silent battle that still today, if I'm not on my knees, if I'm not also in therapy, let me, let me give you all a real quick word. Sometimes you need Jesus and therapy. Sometimes you might need Jesus therapy and medication. You know, I believe God made some amazing therapists and psychologists on this planet, and they are doing what they were meant to do, okay? Jesus is the first source, but sometimes you may need something in addition to Jesus, and that might be therapy, right? So here I am. I am trying. Y'all see me trying to stay on this. Pastor Bradley was like, you got to stay on. I'm like, I'm like I, I want to be over there. I want to be over there. I, I'm in that in-your-face speaker, you know, like... You know, I stare people down. I'm like, I really do love you. You know, I just want to see your eyeballs. You know, I'm like, so um, here I am. I'm, 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 I'm battling, y'all. I'm battling in private. And I'm, I'm telling y'all this this morning because it's all about the journey, right? It's all about the journey and, and, and how I got here and how you got to where you are and what you're going to do today. Let me, let me sow a little word into you. There are people, if you're breathing in this room, each one of you, you've still got work to do. And I'm not talking about your work at your job. I'm talking about work for the kingdom, work for another human being. You've got something in you. In this room, there is a person that's going to start a nonprofit. In this room, there's a person that's going to start a side business. In this room, there's a person that's going to start a passion project. In this room, there's a person that's going to start a new business and leave their job and go out on a limb and start it, and it's going to help people. In this room are people that are rivers, not reservoirs. I have no shame in wanting to, and that's why that word was so blessed to me. I have no shame in wanting to be more successful because God knows the more success I have, the more people I can help. And I, I, I don't know about you. I used to be shame. I used to have the shame around wanting to be more successful in a worldly way, not for the world's applause, but because I can help more people. But here's the thing. God knows if I am, if he blesses me, he knows I'm going to turn around and bless somebody else. I'm going to use it for somebody else. And so I heard this pastor say one time, and, and, and I wish I knew it was, but he said, are you a river or are you a reservoir? Meaning, if you learn something, is it going to flow through you? If you get something, is it going to flow through you? Are you a reservoir? Is it going to stay with you? Are you stingy? Is it, no, I don't think nobody's stingy in here. Y'all are givers. I heard about this new, all the new things you're doing, new buildings, new things. Y'all are amazing. This giving fund. This isn't y'all, but maybe y'all need to take this word out there into the world. But reservoirs, it stays with you. If I learn a lesson, I'm going to teach somebody else. If I get a dollar, I'm going to give to somebody else. My husband's a giver. I'm a giver. And so I, I just want to sow a dream and a seed into you guys and tell you, if you're breathing, there is still time. If you're breathing, there is still time. The lie that we tell ourselves and the enemy tells ourselves is we're too old, we're too stupid, we're too not educated enough, we're not this, we're not that. I came to tell you this morning, you are too anointed, you are too on fire, you are too smart, you are too capable, you are too much a child of God not to go for every dream that is in your heart. And I'm telling you, 6 to 96, if you got breath in your lungs, there's something that's been percolating in your heart that you, you've been thinking about it, you've been dreaming about it. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you got a photographer in here that's a great photographer. Maybe you go down to the local women's shelter, the DV shelter, and you get them pretty clothes and take a makeup artist down there and take pictures of them and of a families that are starting over and give them something beautiful and joyful to do. Right. If you, are a, if you are a cook, 
Why don't you go make a gourmet meal for somebody who ain't never had a gourmet meal? Better yet, why don't you teach them how to cook on a budget, on a dime? If you are a cook, why don't you go and teach people how to eat healthy? You know, if if they don't know better, they ain't going to do better. If you've got a gift, if you've got knowledge, it is your time right now to use it. There there is no time to waste, y'all. I say this. Oh, Pastor Bradley, I say this. Y'all, the devil ain't playing no more. He is out in the open. He he and his demons and the assignment, they're out in the open. He ain't hiding. He ain't playing no more. So that means we as Christians need to stop playing and get up, put your armor on, and go for it and get in the battle. Because here's the thing. I heard this one time, man. It was so good. It said, right now, for my sports fans in the room, right now it feels like the third quarter and we're down two touchdowns. And we feel a little weary and battle-tested. We feel like, oh, man, are we going to be able to win this game? Well, let me remind you that we know who wins at the end. Let me remind you that we know who wins the battle ultimately. Let me remind you that we know that we are victorious in Jesus Christ at the end and that the devil is done. He may be winning right now, but in the end, let me remind you that we win because we are children of God. And y'all, I'm, I, I guess it's because I've experienced so much loss in my life. I'm, I'm not afraid anymore. I know where I'm going. I'm not afraid anymore. I, I know I'm going to be for, y'all, we are going to be, we are going to be forever and ever and ever with Christ and our loved ones. They're going to meet us at the pearly gates. That's what I believe. I'm not afraid anymore. So if I do anything today in telling you my journey I want to stir you up. I want, to, I want you to go out of here and feel like a football player wants to run through a brick wall. I want you to be like, I, she's a good coach, you know? Like, I, I want you to get out there and be like, rawr, you know? Like, I'm going for it. I'm going to write that business plan. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to talk to somebody. But let me also remind you of this while you're doing this and taking notes. And I love y'all that are taking notes, by the way. Former reporter here. There are, I th- there's lots of different kinds of people in the world, but for me, there's two kind of distinct groups. They're dream builders and then they're dream killers. They're dream builders and then they're dream killers. So as you go out in the world and you're hyped today and you're excited and you want to tell somebody all the things that you're going to do and how you're going to do it and all of those things, I want you to remember and be discerning to think whether you're telling that to a dream builder or a dream killer. Because there are people around you, and I'm not mad at them. I want them to come to Christ. I want them to get healed. But there are people around you that are not going to invest in you or believe in you or lift you up because they are battling their own junk. And they don't want you to get out of the bucket, Mr. or Mrs. Crab. They don't want you to get out of the bucket, so they're going to pull you back down. So I want you to invest and think about when you're telling these stories and telling these ideas and the things that you're going to do. And I don't care if you're 80 in here or I don't care if you're 17. There's still time to do what you're meant to do on this planet. And just be mindful when you are telling these dreams. Be mindful of when you're sharing, whether you're sharing to a dream builder or a dream killer. And maybe that dream killer, you, you just pray for him. You pray for him. I, I shared this week in my movement that um, I shared in my, uh, my movement, it's called I'm Changing the Narrative, that boundaries are some of the greatest form, it's one of the greatest forms of, of self-love, of self-care there is. What are you talking about, Rachel? It means that you have got to start articulating what works for you and doesn't work for you. I don't want to go there. I don't feel comfortable there. I can't spend that money. I need to save. I, I, um, I, I don't have, have it in me. I'm, I'm, my cup is not, it's empty this week. I poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out, right? Boundaries are some of the greatest form of self-love. What do I mean also by boundaries? I mean some people you need to love from a distance. Some people you need to step back and pray for them. It is like oil and water, and you know it, and they know it, and it, nothing good is coming from it right now because they're in a place right now where they're battling their own junk. Now, listen, and the other lie we tell ourselves is this, y'all. I just told somebody this week, too. 
the lie that the enemy will, will work on us is he says, you're not healed enough to share your, your testimony. You're not good enough to share your testimony. You're not there enough to share your testimony. Again, in my movement, we have this saying that says, when you get there, throw the rope back for somebody. And the lie that the enemy will tell ourselves is we're not there enough. We're not educated enough. We're not strong enough. We are not there enough. We're not healed enough. We're not this enough. And I came to tell you are there enough to throw the rope back for somebody else. Because if the enemy can do anything to us, he wants to keep us stagnant in the dark, hiding, full of shame. And again, I want to circle back to what I said at the beginning. I want you to start chasing the hem of the garment with a fervor that shakes hell. I live the kind of life, y'all, be mindful, write this down, be mindful in the morning what you say to yourself. There was a time in my life, there was a time in my life where I used to get up out of the bed and I used to say things to myself like, um, you're stupid or that's not going to work or why don't you have a boyfriend or you're overweight or this. And those were the thoughts that were in my head. And I wondered why I had a bad day. Y'all, I came to remind you this morning, you are a miracle. God did not take the day off when he made you. I said it in the book. He did not go to the heavenly Panera the day you were made. You know, he didn't clock out of the factory, you know, the people factory in heaven the day you were made. He did not make a mistake. You are a miracle. How dare you speak to yourself, and I said this to myself, how dare I speak to myself as anything less than a miracle? Jesus hung on the cross for me. He hung on the cross for you. How dare you speak to yourself in such a way that is anything less than heavenly and miraculous? You You are God's handiwork. He did not take the day off when he made you. So I started to, I started to one, we got to do this, y'all. We got to recognize what we're saying to ourselves. Instead of just, just flipping it, we got to recognize and, it, and first put a little notebook next to your bed. Put your little notes app next to your bed and first recognize for 30 days. I double dog dare you for 30 days to write down the first things you say to yourself in the morning, in your head. Oftentimes, we never speak to another human being the way we speak to ourselves. But we're over here cursing ourselves, saying, you're stupid. What are you doing? You're just, you know, your joints are bad. I can't do that. I can't walk there. This is happening. I'm not, I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not as good as that person. I'm, and we talk ourselves right out of miracles and purpose. And so I... One, first of all, began to acknowledge what I was saying to myself, okay? And then I started to change it. Then I started to replace it with God's word. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm a miracle. Good things are on the way. I'm going to help somebody today. My friend, Dr. Kevin Elko, says don't pray for a blessing. Pray to be a blessing. Lord, put me in situations today Lord, put me in situations today where I can bless somebody. So in writing this book, in writing this book, um, one of the cool things that comes of it is, you know, uh, I have books, right? And so when I travel, I usually put, will put a book or two inside my bag and I listen for the nudge. What's the nudge? The nudge is your gut or the Holy Spirit telling you to go back, love on them, hug them, touch them, minister to them. Be, you might be the only Jesus somebody ever sees on this planet. And so my goal is to be a Bible with skin on it. Will I ever get there fully? Heck no. We are imperfect human beings and this is a broken world. But I am determined every single day to start over. His mercies are fresh and new and be a Bible with skin on it to somebody who may never have seen God's true love. They may have been church hurt or people hurt or whatever it is. And so I'm carrying these books around and I just say, God, you just tell me. You tell me when it's time, right? You tell me when it's time. And so, so many times this has happened and uh, I'll I'll share two very quick points and times when it's happened. A couple of months ago, before I even got the book in, I was at Michael's and I saw these little journals and they were on sale and they had little positive things like you go, you know, you're a queen or, you know, today's a blessing or, you know, they were just really positive things on the, on the front of them. And, um, 
And so I put them in my bag and I said, okay, God, you just tell me when it's time. And I walked into the bathroom one day in Atlanta at the Atlanta airport. And I saw a beautiful old, older lady with, uh, doing the, the, uh, the cart to clean up the bathroom. And I heard God say, as I go into the stall, her, and I said, her, we didn't even talk, you know, like she, she's going to think I'm crazy, you know, like we didn't even talk. And so I, I'm, I'm battling God. I'm like, really, God, are you sure? Did I hear you correctly? Like, really? And uh, we go, I go out of the bathroom and she's gone. And I said, whoo, you know, I don't have to look like a fool now. And I walk out of the bathroom and there she is just right across the way sweeping. And I said, okay, God, here I go. I said, you know, this could go one or two ways. She could be like, get out of here, woman. Who are you? You know, Um, or she could receive this. I don't know. So I pulled it out and I kind of meekly went over to her and I said, I just wanted to give this to you and tell you you're beautiful. And I said, I felt him tell me to give it to you. And I kind of paused and I was like, oh gosh. And she put her hand on my arm. She was my grandmother's age, sweet little immigrant lady with an accent. And she said, oh, honey, when you hear him, you better obey. (laughs) And we hugged, and I gave her the journal, and I walked away. And, y'all, I I posted about this recently on my social media. And I I had a grin the size of Texas. You could, I, I won the soul lottery. I had made God proud. And I say this all the time, and, and I mean it, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. If somebody walked in and, and followed me into this church this morning and said, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but all you have to do is turn around and get back in your car and drive home, I wouldn't take the money. I wouldn't take the money. And I have tell you something about writing a book. It's a lonely process. You're away from your family. You miss sporting events. You miss events. You're by yourself. You're missing dinners. You're missing things. You have to write. You can't write in a crowd. And somebody, one of your sweet ladies was telling me she just listened to the book and she was getting a physical copy. And, uh, and, I, and we were talking about the fact that this is a book on joy, y'all, but it's a gritty book on joy. It ain't a pretty fluffy book on joy. It's a book about life, the pit, and the promise. It's about joy being ever present, even though I've lost both parents, even though I've been through addiction, even though I've lost my worldly things, even though I had trigger warning, a dark night of the soul where I heard a voice and it wasn't voices, a voice tell me to take myself out of this world, but God. And I believe that there was a spiritual battle that happened in my room that night. And I believe that the enemy wanted to take me out because he knew that he knew, he knew this, he knew I'd be here. He knew all the places I'd go and the lives I'd be able to touch. But God said, I'm not going to let you take her because I'm going to save her. And she's going to go tell the world that I saved her and that she is here for a purpose. And so the other thing I want you to remember this morning and write this down, sometimes your greatest pain is attached to your greatest purpose. And the enemy is telling you, be quiet about it. Shut up about it. Don't talk about it. Be ashamed about it. Nona Jones, another author, said shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. Put some light on it, sister. Put some light on it, brother. And some of the things that we've been through, we're so worried about what we're going to look like and what people are going to think, we don't talk about it. And the very things that somebody in your path needs to get free is, is requires you to talk about it. Your pain is not for you. If you are willing to share it, if you are willing to go there, if you're willing to say to somebody, me too, there is somebody in your path that will be set free because of your story. But you got to get bold enough, bold enough to talk about it. Stop worrying about what people think about you. Stop worrying if you're going to look like a fool. Stop trying to battle God like I was in that, in that uh, stall, that bathroom stall, and obey the nudge. Obey the nudge. Because here's what I know about life. I know about life, you've got two choices in life, bitter or better. It really comes down to that. Honestly, it does. And at times in my life, I have been bitter. And I, I've been joking to people as of late. I said, you know, I've been through enough in my life where I could go live in a remote cave with a pet goat. You know, nobody would blame me. And I was bitter. I'm going to tell you, I saw, people, I saw people after my mom passed away of cancer whose mamas beat cancer. And I was mad. 
Why didn't my mom get her healing? And I got mad about that. And a friend of mine said, but she did, honey. She got it in heaven. You have two choices, bitter or better. And I came to remind you this morning to get to living. Get to dreaming. Some of y'all been so in the emotional quicksand that you stopped dreaming. You stopped, you stopped hoping. Let me give y'all a, I'm a big takeaways person if y'all hadn't figured this out yet. And I got some weepers in the room. I'm a weeper too. I'm, they, they, I walked in, they handed me tissue. I was like, I'm a weeper. And by the way, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back in your new facility. I'm going to be back. Hopefully in the future, y'all use my book as a small group. It's being used as a small group uh, study in, in Nashville. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I want to speak to people in this room this morning. They're in the emotional quicksand. And you just been, you've been in the pit. And life's been hard. Things have been hard. Jobs have been lost. People left. Feelings are hurt. It's just been, it's been hard. God sent me this morning to remind you that the pit is part of the purpose. That you're going to come up out of it. That you still got a lot of living to do. You got a lot of things you're supposed to do. There are a lot of people you're supposed to touch. A lot of people you're supposed to help. There are people that are out there that are, that are waiting, just waiting on you to do what God called you to do. And you know what it is. It's in your heart. It's already there. It's percolating. And for somebody who says, I, but I don't know, let me give you a real good example here. What bothers you that doesn't bother somebody else? Okay? We will watch the news together, and something's going to bother you five days later that don't bother me. That bothering you is an invitation to go do something about it. That bothering you is God nibbling at your soul saying, I gave you these skills and gifts and talents. Go do something about it. And let me tell you something. There ain't no dream too small or too big for God. I don't care if you, you know, it's not the size, right? Like it's not, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. For me, I'm after one heart, one soul, one heart, one soul. I had somebody come and say about my social media a couple of years back, well, she only has this many likes. I do not care about worldly metrics. I care about a heart and a soul. I care about you and you and you and you that I can see this morning that are, you're weeping and you're getting it and you're, and you're going. That's what I care about, y'all. And that's what I came for today. I came to reignite some dreams in your heart and to turn people on and tell you that there is something inside of you. There's something inside of you that's yet to be birthed. And, and maybe the pit is part of the promise. I wouldn't have a story to write in that book if I hadn't been to hell and back. And as you do your soul homework, I want you to remember. I want you to call it out. I want you to tell the devil to go back to hell. That there were things that were attached to you. That he started to, the ways that he attached me, the, that bastard word, and unlovable and unwanted. There are things that he attached to you that today I want you just to rebuke in the name of Jesus. And if you have to keep rebuking it and keep bringing it to the cross over and over and over again until you're released from it, people think they want to tell you that forgiveness sometimes is fluffy and pretty and neat and it's all up in a pretty package. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it's taken me years to forgive somebody. And I had to keep saying it every day, Jesus, help me forgive. Jesus, help me forgive. Jesus, help me forgive. Jesus, take this block from my heart. Jesus, take this block from my heart. And finally, he released me. I don't know about y'all, but I'm stubborn. I'm a little mouthy, a little spicy. <laughs> Ask my husband. I'm, I'm getting to be a better wife. But um, love and respect, ladies and gentlemen. Love and respect. The men... Their, air, their airway is respect. Women's airway is love, by and large. If you have never read that book, just side note, go get it. If you're married and you want to be married or you want to be married, you've been married 20 years or 10 years, you're going to get married, go get the book Love and Respect. 
It is a beautiful book on marriage and men and women. So um, as I wind down this morning, man, I just, I just love y'all. <laughs> I love y'all already. I love your faces. I love your souls. I see you. I see your hearts. I see your dreams. And I just want to speak real quick to some of my young people that are over here and over here, y'all. Um, y'all got a special anointing on you. You know, I've, I work with a lot of young people all over the country, and I've heard people say, well, this generation and that, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Let me tell you something. Some of the most on-fire people I have ever seen are young people. And I want to tell you, y'all have a special generation. Y'all have a special anointing on your generation, and y'all are going to bring people out. And y'all are going to change cultures, and y'all are going to change lives, and you're going to change people. And so I just want to tell you, you're not too young, you're not too little, your following is not too little, you don't know where you're going, because the, it's never, 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 never the wrong time to do the right thing. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And so in my movement, I, I call it being a king and being a queen. And a king is not somebody who's perfect because there's only one person who's perfect and he's up there. It means you know better, so you do better. You serve, you lead, you forgive. Before you lay your head on the pillow at night, you make it right. You call somebody today. There are text messages that need to be sent today before you leave this parking lot to say to somebody, I forgive you. I lay it down. I'm tired of beefing. I'm tired of fighting. I just want to put it in the past. Water under the bridge. Being a king and a queen don't mean you're perfect. It means you know better, so you do better. It means you make it right. It means you lead, you serve, you give, and you dream. And maybe that person you need to forgive is you. Maybe that person you need to forgive is you. Before we do this altar call, I got to give you one last little piece of homework. Again, I told y'all I was big on homework. I want y'all to go get a poster board. I want you to go get a poster board. As a matter of fact, I want you to get two. Okay? And on one of those poster boards, I want you to gather your family. And if it's just you, that's okay too. I prayed for many, many years for a family. Prayed for many years for a husband. And six months before he walked into my life, I said, so, I said to, my, to my God, to our God, I said, but if not, you are enough. And I believe that that released Christopher into my life. I do. I believe it. And I got four beautiful children out of it. I got to be called bonus mom. And so... I feel like there are people in this room today that need to leave here and say, or maybe right now say, but if not, God, you are enough. It is well with my soul. So you go get this poster board. And the first one you're going to call it, it's called a dream board. And I want you and your family, you and your wife, I don't care if you're 85 or 18, I want you to get this board and I want you to get around that kitchen table because gracious, we need to go back to dinners together and put your dang phones down and look at each other's eyeballs and talk about your day, talk about your dreams, talk about your hope, talk about Jesus, get the Bible back out. And get this poster board and write down your dreams. Write down the things you wanna do, the things that make you happy where you want to go, the languages you want to learn, the business you want to start, the passion project, the nonprofit you want to start, how you want to serve in the church, that you want to be a leader. Write it all down and then put it somewhere in your house where everybody can see it, where you pass it by every single day and you talk to each other about your dreams and you believe in each other's dreams and you build each other up because you're dream builders, not dream killers. And that other poster board, what I want you to do, it is so important, and this is, this is what I'm wrapping with, Pastor Bradley, is the other one is, I call it soul care, which is deeper than self-care. I cannot pour from an empty cup, and neither can you. I had a pastor one time tell me, my pastor in Nashville, he said, when do you take Sabbath? I said, I don't. 
I work seven days a week. This is a while back. He said, that's a sin. He said, even Jesus rested. Why do you think you're bigger than Jesus? I said, woo, right between the eyeballs. Okay, pastor. My point is we need rest for our soul. If this is the cup of our soul, we need to put liquid back in it. Jesus created us for rest. Jesus created us to restore our soul. There are things that you uniquely love to do that I don't love. So go home on the other poster board and start to have a conversation with your family, with yourself. If it's just you, hey, nothing wrong with that. I was single for a long time. But you start to have a conversation and figure out what fills the cup of your soul. Is it taking a hike? Is it taking a long bath? Is it reading? Is it being outside with your shoes off? Is it taking a walk? Is it riding your bike? I don't know what it is. And so you put those things on that list that you know fill the cup of your soul. And let me tell you something, sister, you are worthy of self-care. God made a masterpiece. Don't you dare let the enemy tell you you don't have time for soul care, that you're not worthy. That is a lie from the enemy. People tell me this all the time. I ain't got time for it. Do you have time for a breakdown? No. And that's not what God wanted for you. He wanted you to rest. He wanted you to restore. He wanted you at at your full capacity so that you could be a, a, a reflection of him, so that you could be a Bible with skin on it. When's the last time your kids saw you giggle? When's the last time you laughed with your kids? When's the last time you played with your kids? Too many of us are too busy providing. We're too busy trying to get ahead. We're too busy trying to pay the bills and we forget that we serve a heavenly God that is going to provide not by our earthly hands but by him and we miss the moments y'all we miss the moments we miss our babies we miss playing we miss laughing because we're too worried worry steals it's from the enemy and we're too busy trying to figure it out on our own and we don't take it to God and we miss it y'all me tell you what the enemy does to us he uses busy he uses that thing he's been telling you for so long in your head he uses it and he just it's on a repeat it's on a break broken record you're not enough Rachel you're not this you're not that and if I'm not attacking it with the sword of truth then all of a sudden something my husband says goes through that filter and I'm mad at my husband and he didn't even mean anything by it it's my own junk I haven't been in the word enough. I haven't been on my knees enough. I don't have my sword of truth attacking it and saying, no, I'm a child of God. I am loved. I am precious. I am worthy. I am whole. You get your sword of truth and you start attacking those lies. But God wanted you to rest. God wanted you to play. I was working with Border Patrol down in Yuma. Bless their souls. What's happening down at the border? It's atrocious. Pray for them. Pray for these babies, these unaccompanied minors, and pray for these people, the trafficking, and pray, Lord Jesus, we need prayer. And, uh, and after eight hours of training with him, this, this man said to me, I never knew I was supposed to tell my child about my dreams. He said, when I became a father, I put my dreams on the shelf. Your children need to see you dream. Your children need to hear you dream. Your children, when's the last time you apologized to your child? When's the last time you said, I'm sorry, I was blasted. I was barren. I was broken. I was going through something. Daddy was going through something. Mama was having a hard day. I'm sorry I was short with you that day. Y'all, they're watching you. They're sponges. They need to see you apologize and giggle and laugh. They need to see it. And you need it. You need the rest. You need the play. And when you do this poster board, these two poster boards, a dream poster board and the, and the soul care poster board, my gracious, you put it up where somebody can see it every single day. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to start to see your family transformed. You're going to start to see the enemy just get on. Y'all need to be going around the corners of your house today. I got to come back because now I'm just getting started. I'm about to finish. Woo! When I have head-to-toe chills is when I know the Holy Spirit is present. I got chills on my whole body. Y'all need to be anointing your doorways today and tell the enemy to get out of your house. He's got no place in your marriage. Y'all, if you think it and it's good and it's lovely, say it. 
I talk about in the book, and I'll be back there afterwards as long as we need, but um, I talk about in the book regret. Regret is the nastiest bedfellow, and it's a completely avoidable emotion. There are people today, when you leave here, you need to look to your wife and tell you, I hadn't told you in a long time that you are beautiful. I haven't told you in a long time how much I appreciate you. I haven't told you in a long time how great of a mother you are. And conversely, wives, y'all need to look to your, your husband and say, thank you for being a provider and a protector. Thank you for everything that you do for this family. Y'all, my husband killed a rattlesnake last week on my back porch. I said, and baby, you a snake slayer too. Not only are you handsome and kind and wonderful and we can count on you and a great provider, but you a snake slayer too. Big old rattlesnake. I'm like, oh my gosh. Y'all, woo, I feel the Holy Spirit in here. I feel the Holy Spirit in here. I feel the Holy Spirit in here. I feel like we made the devil big mad this morning because he knows some dreams are coming up out of the soot today. Some people are coming up out of the soot today. Some text messages are going to be sent when we leave here today. There's going to be some dads skipping and and playing board games this afternoon. And there's going to be people taking some mean naps. And there's going to be people walking outside with their bare feet and going swimming and doing all kinds of things they hadn't done before. That's what God wants for you. The whole book is on joy. Let me tell you the ultimate in the book. It says what it's a joy starter. You know who the ultimate joy starter was? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. In here, up there, he was the ultimate joy starter. And I just want you to get your joy back this morning. I want you to get your joy back this morning. And uh, Pastor Bradley was so amazing to me to allow me just to let the Holy Spirit move. And he said, you, you finish this out. You do this. We can do it together. You finish it out how you want to. And Pastor Bradley, I, I, feel, I, I feel like I want to open up this altar to anybody who wants to dream again, who has felt blasted or barren, who has been in the emotional quicksand, who has let the enemy be on repeat and tell you messages on repeat, and you've been listening to them, and you've been... You've been You've been falling for it. We're human. We fall for it. But if you want a fresh anointing, if you want fresh rest, if you want fresh joy, if you want fresh, y'all, the, the, God can restore anything. He parted, y'all, did, I, did y'all forget he parted the Red Sea? He didn't stop doing miracles in the Bible and just, you know, do them in the Bible and then today he just don't do miracles anymore. Y'all, that girl that got trafficked is home today. If y'all heard about that, Carly... Russell, she came home last night. And I don't care what happened. She's home. We still serve a God of miracles. So, if y'all feel that, if y'all feel like I was talking to you this morning, and you just want a fresh anointing on your life, and you want to dream again, you want to do all the things that God has called you to do, and you want to walk out of here a different person than you walked in, I just would love to meet you right here and pray over you. You want to come join me? Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for these people. Thank you, God, for these souls. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. They're coming. They're coming. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, God, that you allowed me, Lord, that you allowed me to say something. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Did you allow me to say something that touched their spirit, God? It is your words. It's not mine. They're coming, Lord. They're coming. I see their souls. I see they're hungry. They're not hungry. They're hungry for a fresh touch, a fresh anointing, fresh rest. This afternoon, somebody's going to take a mean nap, and they're going to wake up different, Lord. They're coming, Jesus, and I just thank you for these souls, these marriages, these families, Lord God, that are going to be healed and going to be restored. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these people. And Lord, I just come to you right now. 
before I hand this mic to this amazing pastor, and I just come to you right now, and I just pray over every soul in this room, every person that got up out of their out of their seats, Lord, and came forward, Lord. I just thank you, God, for their obedience. I thank you, God. I thank you for the marriages that are about to be ignited today. I thank you for the people that are about to be forgiven, that are on the other end of the text that don't even know that they're about to be forgiven when they leave this service, God. I thank you for the fresh dreams and the fresh anointing and the things that are going to happen in Chiefland, Florida. I thank you, Lord, that we are going to take back this city. We're going to take back the state. We're going to take back this country and this world and that we are going to be Bibles with skin on it, that we are going to show people what this church is all about, what Jesus is all about, and we are going to be a reflection of Jesus. And I just thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Every single soul, every single marriage, every single heart, I see you. And more importantly, it's not me. God sees you. God sees you and he loves you and he called you. And he's, before I was born, you sent me here today on this, on this day, God. And when you brought me up out of addiction, when you brought me, when you saved my life that night, God, you knew I was going to be in chief of Florida on this day. And you knew I was going to encounter these souls. And they were going to need to hear what I had to say. Because you put it in my spirit, God. And I just thank you for that. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Wow, 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 wow. Can y'all give it up for Rachel? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time, the best is yet to come.